Bruce Sheffer here for TriTac Games, and we are going to be having a huge presence at Gen Con this year. And I wanted to let you know something about it. I'm going to have each of the hosts tell about what games they'll be running at Gen Con and at what times, so that when Gen Con opens, you all have the best chance of getting the event registration that you want. Now, we're going to have up to 10 events this year. I'm running four, John is running two. Blix is also running too. And Richard Toholka, the designer of both Bureau 13, Fridgeworthy, and frankly, almost all the games that we have, with the exception of a Stellar Games product line, he is going to be running two games where it's pretty much you and he uh, talking about how he created the game and uh, what his ideas about the best play for the game so it's going to be a play session an actual play session but there's a be a great opportunity for you to get some one-on-one -on -one time with the original designer to see the vision that he had for the game and how it fits with perhaps your vision for the game so starting off is my events i'm going to be running first at thursday 1 p.m a fringeworthy episode called burn the witch in this episode, the team goes through a portal and finds themselves on the seacoast where there is a French colony back in somewhere around the 17th century. They have found someone who has been washed up ashore off of a shipwreck, a young woman, and they're trying to determine whether or not she should be well disposed of in some way as a witch to keep her from polluting the colony and your job is going to probably be to try to do something about it try to stop it from happening or perhaps even find out the alternate explanations for why she might be causing this if in fact she isn't really a witch this is fringeworthy and magic can happen the second episode, uh, the second session I'm going to be running is Friday at 8 a.m. So you're going to have to get up early because believe me, I'm going to be getting up earlier. And that is called Murder at Chessex House, where at a house that is owned by a man who used to be a conductor on the Chessex line, the great railroad line that has been going on for over a century, he retired and died in this house that he built that appears to be literally made out of railroad ties. It was closed up and it's been vacant for quite some time because it is a bit of a white elephant. In the meantime, some vagrant, some person, homeless person has broken in and gotten inside and there were lights shining and the neighbors noticed something going on and the next day they found that the poor man had been cut to bits by something, chopped into, into various parts with huge gouges in the floor of the parquet floor as if some huge piece of machinery had literally sliced him to bits. Well, you want to make sure that there's nothing supernatural going on. If there is, make sure it stops because I think there is something supernatural going on because ever since then, there have been lights glowing on the property. This is going to be followed by Savage Saturday Night at 8 p.m. This is a Fringeworthy game. When you go and look in your schedule, it's important that you look for the Savage Saturday Night header on the role-playing games because all the games that are going to be taking place during Savage Saturday Night, which means that it's going to be running the Savage World system, is going to be taking place 
uh, in one basic location under the heading of Savage Saturday Night. And this is going to be called Savage Saturday Night, Fringeworthy, Meller Escape from Hatsumi Base. If you're familiar with Fringeworthy, you know that Hatsumi Base is the Antarctic base where everyone explores from in the beginning of the game. And in this episode, you're going to be playing the great nemesis of the Fringeworthy, the shape-shifting Meller. These Meller have gotten back to Hatsumi Base, and they're going to try to escape and get out into the world so they can wreak their will. This has always been considered to be a doomsday scenario and something that has been highly recommended that GMs never do in their game system, in their campaigns. But, says this is Gen Con, we're going to do it. And you're going to be able to play these awesome characters wreaking their will and trying desperately to escape so that they might do what they have to do, which is destroy the world. All right. The last episode, the last session I'm running, is Bureau 13, the Pittsburgh Ripper. This is Sunday, another 8 a.m. So you can get this done if you're not the person who has to check out of the room before you do your final sweep through Gen Con dealer's room because they're going to be open till 5 in the dealer's room. So this is your last chance if you're heading out on Sunday to get a good game in. And this is going to be a good game. This scenario was originally released back with the original system back in 1992, as a matter of fact. So some of you people probably weren't even born before when this scenario was published. But this takes place in Pittsburgh. Ergo, the Pittsburgh Ripper. Another scenario involving vagrants, unfortunately. In Point Park, which is where the Ohio and Monongahela Rivers meet to form the Ohio, they have a park in Pittsburgh. And in that park... Apparently at night, sometimes homeless people will gather and sleep because they have no place else to go, especially in the summertime. And during that, some poor man was attacked and rended into pieces by some feral, possibly animal attack. Your job? Track down the culprit. Make sure it doesn't happen again, or if it happens again, try to come up with a reasonable excuse to the police. You need to cover this up, get rid of it, stop it before it goes any further, and get out of town. So, that's the sessions I'm running. And we also have Blix, who's going to tell us about his adventures, not only uh, regularly on the regular Gen Con schedule, but also Savage Saturday Night. What are you doing, Blix? I'm going to be running Deutschland Uber Alice. It's an adventure that it's in Germany. It's in 1945. Uh, Hitler won the war. And uh, you're going in to, to retrieve a small amount of plutonium that he's been able to make, you know, disable his capability to make any more bombs. Yeah. That's going to be uh, Friday night at 6 to 10. Uh, I don't have a location for that yet. They haven't assigned those. So, But this is a fringe-worthy yes. uh, game, right? Yes, it's going to be fringe-worthy. Uh, Savage Worlds. Saturday night for the Savage Worlds. Was it was it called Savage Worlds? It's called Savage Saturday Night. Savage Saturday Night. That's what it is. I'm going to be doing something a little new. It, it's going to be for Hardwired Hinterlands. I think it's going to be the only Hardwired Hinterlands uh, adventure there, out of all of us that anyone's doing. Yeah, that'll probably be six to ten as well. No, it's eight o'clock. They're all at eight. Ah, uh, so it'll be eight to twelve. Yes. That's also going to be using the Savage Worlds system. Because uh, as I understand it, Hardware Hinterlands is basically uh, systemless. It's system agnostic. 
right. System agnostic, that's right. Okay. So I'm going to be using it with the Savage Worlds rules. It's going to be called Land of the Lost Lightning Crystals. All right, so lightning crystals have the ability to lower the relative mass of, a, of an object, so it makes it lighter. So it helps uh, planes fly on things like alcohol and such. They're ex- exceptionally valuable. So for this adventure, someone, Dirty Pierre, has stolen a bunch of these uh, lightning crystals, and he got away with it. But last person who saw him, he stole him in a zeppelin. So they saw a zeppelin going down over the island, and they were unable to pursue it because the island's quite dangerous. So the party's going to be hired to go recover those crystals. And why is the island dangerous? Because it has dinosaurs on it. So they'll have to go to the island and go to one of the observation stations and start out from there and trek through the dangerous woods amongst all the dinosaurs to get the crystals. Good chance they'll survive. It's a pretty good chance they'll survive. I mean, in Savage Worlds, it's a pretty forgiving system. Uh, that one should be a lot of fun. You know, you get, get your uh, Jurassic Park feel on. Well, that sounds great. This is all part of the Savage Saturday Night and well, a fringeworthy game and a hardwired hinterland now. So yep. there's just more and more stuff that's happening Savage Saturday Night. So be sure to get your tickets as soon as they go available on the Gen Con registration site. Now, hey, uh, Bruce, just real quick. I think we were talking about trying, maybe, so keep an ear out for this because we, we can't say for sure if it's going to happen or if it's not. We're, we're working on it. But there is a possibility that we'll be doing a live podcast from the Savage Saturday Night. Maybe. After after our games. Right. And because it's going to be pretty noisy in that room, but I know that there's it's at a hotel, so there's other rooms nearby that we could probably do them at. No guarantees on that, but that's something that we've got in the works that we're going to try and uh, we're going to try and make happen because there's going to be we're all going to be there. Um, maybe and Trav is still a maybe, but but the rest of us for sure. I'm pretty sure that Trav is going to be out uh, promoting us through other venues. Yeah, but we might rope him in for that. I mean, it's going to be late, so. Yeah, well, I'm, hopefully he'll show up. I'm sure he'll be interested to see what we're doing. And we'd love all of our fans to show up and say hi and how are you doing on our games because we like seeing you. And we can do a live Q&A if you show up for that. So that would be kind of neat. Cool. So well, we'll talk about it more later. Right. We have here Richard Taholka, who's going to tell us about what he's running at Gen Con. Richard, what's up? Well, we are going to Gen Con this year. We've already put in, we got a message back from Gen Con LLC Saturday night, uh, late, that uh, said, Hi, we know who you are, and you're welcome back to Gen Con. We have half paid for our table, and the other half will be coming in in about a week and a half. So we're doing really good on that. So we are definitely going to do a 10 by 10 booth, I'm hoping somewhere almost dead center of the convention floor. We thought about the entrepreneurs section and decided that uh, that it was just kind of far and away. So we did a full booth. So it looks good. It looks very good for that. I'm going to be doing personally two events. We're also going to be releasing a minimum of three new major products at Gen Con. What products are you going to be releasing? At Gen Con, we're going to be releasing Portal 3, which is going to be a very large, when printed out, uh, notebook of portals and personal observations and that kind of thing. For the Fringeworthy game? Yep, for Fringeworthy. It'll be generic to any Fringeworthy version, so you can use it, or almost any inter- interdimensional exploration. Looks good, a lot of data in it, and we're going to hopefully have that finished. I know it'll, that'll be finished. The second product that'll be finished, and this is one that's going to be a little iffier, but I think we can do it in time, 
is going to be Bureau 13 Brass and Steam, the Bureau 13 Steampunk book. We've got a lot of people that are excited about that. Trav is doing material for it. I've got a, a huge outline, actually, of hand-sketched pages, sections of the book and that kind of thing, sitting up on the wall. That's going to be a lot of pages. So this is done in your systemless version, right? Yep. Everything we're going to be doing, other than the books that uh, the Savage Worlds books and possibly any other system books, will be done generically so we can use them compatible to anything, and which I think is a very good move now. This is a concept that Mike Pondsmith and I discussed about 20 years ago. The fact that it's, it's never about the system. It's about the game, the details, and what you do with it. I rather like that concept, and so far... It's with the Bureau 13 books, it's been really good because they're cross-adaptable to old TriTac, to the D20 system and the Savage World system, which will be coming up, and whatever system is there in the future. And what's the other product? And the third product, I'm not sure where this came from. I had a, I had a wonderful session about a year ago with Peter S. Beagle, who did The Last Unicorn. And we sat and we talked, and we discovered that we had a commonality which was that at 5 o'clock or so, or after you've been writing for about 6 or 7 hours, that you suddenly stop and go back over with you what you've written, and you say, did I write that? And what the hell did I write that for? Yeah, he does it too. I do it. Odd things have come out into the books because of that. In Weird Zone, the old farmer and Pickles the Robot weren't supposed to be in the book. We don't know where they came from, and they ended up running through the book. In this next book, almost the concept was there, and suddenly it appeared. Because we were about to re-release a generic version of Incursion, the humans lost across the galaxy. And then something hit me, and then we said, well, why don't we do something a little different? Why don't we do a sequel where mankind makes it to the stars in the way they do it? The working title of the book now is Incursion 2, Canadians Across the Galactic Empire. We have this huge contingent of Canadians who I was showing off the cover to and the concept. They absolutely went crazy. They were going, this is going to be Canada's first space role-playing game. It's going to be generic. It's going to have a lot of material in it. That's, it's dedicated towards the Canadians and the Canadian mindset. So far, it's coming out hysterically funny. It's actually a good story, which is a surprise. It's something that this came together this fast. We're adding more and more material, and this is the story of the HCMS Chalk River, a nuclear research submarine that the Canadians purchased, renamed and re-outfitted for uh, specialized exploration. And unfortunately, they run into something, and they end up as Earth's first starship. They end up on the other side of the galaxy, much the way the Ardana Nu did in Incursion. The story's great. The background's what happens to them in the beginning. You create your characters, and then you, you integrate in any way you can. It's a lot of fun. The Canadian contingent this weekend, Sunday, at Confusion, local convention up in Michigan, came down to the booth and brought the sailor's drink that's always given in the Canadian Navy. They brought a bottle of Newfoundland Screech, which we're going to write up in the book. This stuff is like, I think it's one part rum to 12 parts caustic soda it's left in a barrel to leach the rest of the flavor out of the barrel 
for about six months, and then they bottle it. It smells like industrial solvent. It looks like something that would take rust-off hubcaps and taste like butterscotch, which is really odd. A lot of people can't stand it, and I had just a tiny bit. I was allowed a little bit. It was fun. It was interesting, and we had the best laugh over this. But they're already sending me pages and pages and pages of personal notes from the Canadian Navy, the details, all sorts of stuff. I'm looking forward to this. This is probably going to be a very fast project that's finished. And the cover is beautiful. It's an, it's an alien world. You can see in, in the sky above the world what looks like a Russian submarine. It looks good. Other part of it, which is even better, is the master model maker and museum show person, Bill Wardrop, is going to be building a scale model of the sub, be sort of before and after. A lot of the exterior shots and alien shots of the subs sitting in the alien docking cradles, that kind of thing, are actually going to be photography, miniatures and that kind of thing. That's actually looking kind of exciting to do. Got a, a couple master modelers who went, we want to help you on this. So, yep, we're going to do it. That'll be out. Hopefully it's going to be about 96 pages. It'll be out at Gen Con. This particular product, any idea what you're going to sell it for? We don't know yet. I don't want to make any predictions. Our miniatures, we were talking about reproduction on the miniatures and actually adding Meller miniatures to the uh, collection, three different kinds of Meller, and discovered that we were charging prices from 20 years ago. I think the new miniatures are going to retail from 595 to 995. The Bureau 13 Brass and Steam will probably run 1995, like the other big books. Incursion probably 1495. I'm thinking right now it's a possibility. So we're trying to keep it low, give the gamers a real bang for their buck, and with something a lot of fun that isn't going to basically strip their you know finances. You know, a lot of companies have lost that. Is this also going to be on the CDs? We'll have CDs, you know, CD PDFs. You can print them out. Right now, we still aren't at the point of actually producing the major manuals again because of the the cost involved, the shipping, and everything else. And the distribution is uh, actually still up in the air if you're not a major company. We could actually produce a book. Unfortunately, I can't guarantee that it's going to sell for the company. And we have to keep our budget requirements low on this. You know, we can do better for the gamers if we're selling PDFs right now. Okay. Let's see. The booth will be there. New displays we picked up. The tower will be selling buttons. We'll be selling... The games, uh, some other stuff. We'll have the vending machine of dice and miniatures on one corner. And then the racks with the RPGs. And then examples of how you bind them and what you do with them. So it looks good. I will be running two games there. Both of them are intro games. Not complete start-at-the-beginning intros, but basically you know what to do for role-playing. We're going to quickly gen your characters talk a little bit, and then we're going to run into the scenarios. The one scenario is called the Pittsburgh Factor, and that's a little bit about time and space. I, I don't want to spoil it and give this out to everybody as to what's going on with it. This is a Bureau 13 adventure, right? Uh, this is a Bureau 13 adventure, yes. Mm-hmm. It's a good story. It has a ton of handouts, so the more the players get into the situation, the more information starts hitting them. So I, I think they're going to enjoy that. The second one is a Fringeworthy adventure, which has never been published before, 
it's going to be a group of Fringeworthy Explorers chasing down a Miller that has found a Tremelderan vacuum suit, a protective suit, and is on the pathways now. It escapes from one world, and there's eight other worlds and possibilities of where this thing has gone. You need to track it down, find it, and kill it before it does anything else. That's actually a fun one. We're actually going to have some original art and paintings for that one, and basically a few miniatures and maps and a lot of other stuff. I'm looking forward to that one. I think we, we've run the first one, the Pittsburgh Factor, at a couple of conventions. Yeah, I ran in it. Yep, we had up to, oh my god, at uh, Dragon Con, we had eight players, we had eight observers who played, and we had eight more people who just wanted to watch who ended up playing. So we were running 24 players in this game, and they enjoyed it so much at the end that we got a standing ovation. Hopefully well, the players will really like this when they, they played through it. Do you have any idea when you're going to be running these sessions? One will be Friday at about 1 or 2 o'clock. The games will go for three hours. And then another one Saturday. I'm not sure what order they're going to take them and which one's going to go where. But I think the the Fringeworthy is first and the Bureau is second on Saturday. But I, I'm still not entirely sure. So the Fringeworthy is going to be on Friday and the Bureau 13 is going to be on Saturday. Right. Could have gotten them in backwards. Okay. I think it might be the Fringeworthy is Friday and then the Bureau is on Saturday. So they're going to start at 1, so people should be looking in the event catalog at 1 o'clock for either Fringeworthy or Bureau 13. And same on Saturday. And we're going to expand out the online description of the games and the fact that you know you don't need experience. We will teach the game. We're actually going to probably use uh, TriTac uh, System 3, which is the third edition of TriTac for this. Because it's fast and pretty easy to work with. It's not going to be a game system that's hard to learn. No, it's not going to be hard work. It's going to be mostly players and thinking and acting. So everyone who hasn't had a chance to play Bureau 13 or Fringeworthy should definitely see this as an entry level into getting into the game and just get a, give it a try. It gives you a very good feel for the games. and Like I said, we've, we've run these before, and the results were very good. And Richard, you don't do a whole lot of demoing conventions, so you won't get a chance very often to have Richard Taholka, the designer, actually run a game for you. So it's definitely something you don't want to miss. The main problem I have with going to conventions is the fact I work for a company that monopolizes as much possible of my time as, as possible, literally as possible. And you also have to run your table. I've got to run the table. I'm very good at selling. We're, we're going to have Travis and Bruce and John, possibly Terry Williams, Kendrick Goods will be joining us to actually work at the table, and my wife, Melody Natcher. She's looking forward to it. So people should definitely stop by and say hi, if nothing else. Yep. In the infamous words of Greg Porter from BTRC, oh my God, you're still alive. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Richard. We'll get this out as quickly as we can, and we hope that everyone has a great time at Gen Con. Yep. I'm really looking forward to it. A couple of vehicles heading down, the, getting everything set up on the displays. Gen Con setup is Wednesday, all day Wednesday for us and most of the companies. They don't air condition the convention center on Tuesdays and uh, Wednesdays, and so it is going to be exciting. <laughs> I think we should bring a swimming pool for, uh, you know... To catch the sweat, huh? It's going to be hot. We know it's going to be hot. It was it was in 2010 when we actually were there for just a little bit with uh, Diana Stein, the artist. Oh, and something else on the miniatures line. 
it, it does look like we're going to be producing the Meller miniatures, the, the mini Mellers, the secondary Mellers, uh, the medium Mellers, and then the great Meller. We've got the miniatures, we've been sitting with them for years, and really haven't had a way to do them, and uh, it looks like the uh, Dark Platypus is going to be assisting us on this, and we're going to produce the new miniatures, new molds up here. Because we were working with Fortress figures. I'm not even sure if they're in business right now. Hopefully they are. We're going to probably do the new miniatures and repackaging, boxing them, and maybe something on the back, like a miniature sheet, uh, information sheet on each miniature. That includes the, the ever-popular hazmat crew, the men in black, the gray aliens, which we were the first ones ever to do gray aliens, the bureau agents, and then some of the other ones that are kind of fun. Well, we definitely ought to put the stats for them for the D20 system and the Savage Worlds, you know, just as something to go along with the miniatures. And we can e easily do that. We could actually do a one-sheet folded up as part of the backpacking for the miniature. I'm not sure yet. It, it depends on the molds and everything else. The molds are expensive, and right now we're, we're looking at, uh, I think it's, John said it's called India Gogo, partially to get a little more financing to go, because this is going to be spectacular. This is going to be the big show for us for the decade. All right. Well, make sure so, you uh, give me that link so we can get that out to everybody as soon as you set that up. Yep. That's probably going to be within a couple of weeks. The Gen Con table costs are amazing. We used to, as a company going to Gen Con, pay an average of like $600, $700 for a 10 by 10 booth. And now that's as a minimum has doubled. We're not sure whether air comes with the booth or electricity or gravity or that kind of thing. Yeah, don't expect anything more than gravity and air. Well, hopefully there's going to be gravity and air. <laughs> and we'll, we'll all be staying there. It's going to be a good event. It, look, it looks very exciting. And, and of course, this is, this is 2012, where the Mayan calendar ends. We'll see if this is the last great game con or not. More than likely, not. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Fisher. Anytime, Bruce. For letting me know, and that way I'll get this out to our friends over at All Games Considered, as well as our own feed. Yep. Well, we, we should be hopefully releasing the, the covers for the books, the three books, within two weeks. I'm waiting for Ben Rodriguez to finish the art for two of the books. Third one, pretty much we've got, we, we know what the cover is going to be. All right, well, we'll get that on our site. I'll put it on to the Facebook for All Games Considered and other things as well, as soon as you get those to me. We'll get those out and get as much pre-publicity as possible. And finally, we have this from John Ryer. Greetings. I am Alexander Borden, base commander of the UNIDA Extradimensional Exploration Base, Antarctica. Today, IDET 2 will be embarking on a survey mission of the second platform of the Termelin Fringe Pass. According to the Journal of Captain Oates, only the junkyard portal was open, and none of the others. We wish to verify whether this status has changed. So, the United Nations Security Council has ordered UNIDA to send a survey team to the platform and verify Captain Oates' journal. We have made a personally copy of the pertinent pages from the journal available in your press packet. IDET 2 is to verify each portal and if they find any to be open, to enter and explore what is on the other side. 
They are to take due caution in their exploration and not reveal themselves to be from another world if they meet anyone on that world. I have the greatest confidence of Aidetu's abilities and good judgment to carry out this mission and achieve all its goals. I will now field your questions. Randall St. John's the BBC. Am I to understand that the team finds an open portal? They are free to explore what's on the other side. Yes, they are. We do not have the luxury of time. Captain Oates' journal contains encounters with other travelers on the pathways. If there are individuals, then there is a chance of nations that are exploring the pathways. Nations that may not be friendly to us. So there is an imperative to explore this new frontier and find out as much as we can of what is out there. Quite. But doesn't that sound a bit paranoid? We could be putting these people into danger. Death even. Why do it? Have you ever wondered what is beyond that hill? Around the corner? There is could be danger. Death even. But there's also the thrill of discovery. Of finding out new things. New people. To further the expanse of our knowledge. If early man had waited till he had all the necessary data before proceeding, we would still be living in caves. Exploration is dangerous. One can get hurt, even die. But what you can learn, what new wonders you can behold, is all worth the possibility of danger, is what makes us human. Are you a human, Mr. St. John's? Or are you a primitive ape? Cowering in the dark, afraid of the light of discovery. Uh, uh, I don't know how to answer that, sir. Nah, you don't, do you? Next question. Come play the Savage Worlds edition of Fringeworthy in the game Victorian Victoria. It's for three to six players, no experience necessary, with either Savage Worlds or Fringeworthy. You're part of IDIT 2, the second team of Fringeway Explorers, and you just found that a previously locked portal is now open, and inside is a steam-powered vehicle, unlike anything you've seen before. There is no way it could have gotten into that place that you found it in, except through the Fringe Portal. Who brought it here, and where are they now? Find out Saturday at 1pm at Gen Con Indy 2012!